0: this morning, I want to begin by talking about bucket lists. Do you know what a bucket list is? It's that sort of list that you think about of something that you'd like to, to do or something that you'd like to visit or something that you'd like to accomplish in your lifetime. What is it on your bucket list? I actually read an article from USA Today recently, and it said the top 10 bucket list items for adults. Okay? They were adventures such as these. Go on a safari ride in a hot air balloon, see the Northern Lights, go to the Super Bowl, that'd be fantastic, travel through Europe, run a marathon, snorkel at the Great Barrier Reef, skydive, climb Mount Kilimanjaro, or take an Alaskan cruise. Doesn't that sound fun? All of those adventures that people think about or that they want to do. My number one bucket list for traveling, I want to go someday to Wimbledon to the tennis tournament in England, because I'm a huge tennis fan and I would love to see all of those uh, players on the world stage. But I got reading a little bit more, and bucket list items aren't just about adventures. There was also another article from earlier this year, in January 2020, and they listed 150 bucket list items and some printables that you could do to help you live your best life, is what it said. And in addition to these travel bucket items, there were bucket items for your career. What do you want to do in your career? Maybe you want to be an expert in your field, or you want to win a championship, or you want to mentor a coworker. There's a bucket list for health and wellness. Maybe you want to reach your ideal weight or run a marathon. There were some items for finances, and then it said bucket list for everything else. You could learn a new language, or play a musical instrument, or see your favorite band, etc. There's just tons and tons of dreams that people have. What is your bucket list? What do you want to do or visit or accomplish in your lifetime? Maybe it's the dream of some sort of achievement or maybe it's a desire for a certain kind of career or recognition. Maybe you're younger and you want to get married someday and have kids or whatever. Maybe it's a hope for relief for something in your life that you've had to do for years. All of us have these hopes and dreams for our lives. And so we're finishing up this message series about David this morning. What made him a man after God's own heart? What made him a leader worth following? And as we get to the end of of his life, we see that David had a bucket list. He had this dream for his life. He had something he wanted to accomplish, and that is he wanted to build a temple for the Lord. He wanted to build a temple for the Lord. They didn't have a place that they could protect the Ark of the Covenant, that they could protect God's presence. And that's what he wanted to do. He longed for it. He dreamed about it. He made preparations for it. But in the end, his dream didn't come true in the way that he thought. Instead, we're gonna see through the story today that he invested in the next generation in his son who would succeed him. And so we're gonna look at these moments in our lives. These times when it's like, Lord, I really want to do this. And he says, but I need you to do something else. And we're going to learn that God is still working even when dreams don't always come true. So let's pray as we get started this morning. Lord Jesus, as we finish out in the study of David, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. That each one of us, Lord, would hear what you would have to say for us this morning and that you would help us to learn from you. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. So as we've seen throughout his life, David did many things well. He took 12 different tribes and he united them together in the nation of Israel. He masterminded military conquest. He founded the capital city. He elevated the Lord as sort of the, the greatest um, among the people he brought the ark to Jerusalem and he paved the way for the temple he was the greatest king that Israel had ever seen and he brought peace to the land he wrote poetry that we still read and he wrote songs that we still sing but when it came to family David perhaps was not the world's greatest parent he had 21 children by eight different wives do you think there might be a little bit of conflict in that situation Holy cow. One t- child died right after childbirth. One son murdered another one after a terrible attack on a sister. Scripture tells us that David was furious about that, but he really didn't do anything. And then another son, Absalom, instead of waiting to ascend to the throne like David had done when he was younger, he decided to rebel against his father. He rebelled against David. He set up a coup and he started a rebellion against David And in the end, that son, Absalom, he was riding on horseback, coming back, and the soldiers caught up with him and killed him. Two sons now murdered. David's heart was heavy. What would his legacy be? How would he succeed in this home life? God had promised him a dynasty. God had promised him that somebody from his line would sit as the king of Israel forever. Now that it was in jeopardy, what was all of that going to look like? And what about this dream that he had to build a temple for the Lord? And so there were lots of years of turmoil. But as we get to the closing years of David's life, we see that God had something in mind to sort of redeem all of that chaos. And so we're going to pick up the story in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, starting in verse 1. You'll see it up there on the screen. It says, David summoned all of the officials of Israel to assemble at Jerusalem, the officers over the tribes, the commanders of the division of the service of the king, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, the officials in charge of all the property, together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the brave warriors. So just to get a picture of this, he's gathering all of these important people together in this great, solemn, big day of celebration. It says, Then King David, an old man at this time, rose to his feet and said, Listen to me, my brothers and my people. I had intended to build a permanent home for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, for the footstool of our God. And I had made preparations to build it. And so he's gathering all these people together in this great big declaration, and he's beginning to tell them about this dream on his heart, this dream that he wanted so desperately to build this temple. What he had done for the Ark, he had had gotten it from his enemies and brought it to Jerusalem. He wanted to protect it. And he had established Jerusalem as a capital and he wanted to establish a house for God forever. And the temple was going to be a swan song, his signature deed. He had collected all the supplies, the gold and the silver and the iron and the wood. And David had expected his final years to build this temple for the Lord, completing his bucket list. And you can just feel this dream that was on his heart. And all of us too, we have hopes and dreams, things that we, things that we want to do, things that we want to succeed in in life. David had this great desire to build the temple, but God said no. Verse 3 says, I had made preparations to build it, but, you see that little conjunction there? But God said to me, you shall not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and have shed blood. Your son Solomon is the one who shall build my house and my court's. The Lord chose David's son Solomon, a peacemaker, a diplomat, not a man of war, to build his house. And so because David had done all that other stuff, he had gone to war, it cost him the privilege of being able to build this temple. And all he could do was say, I had intended, I had made preparations, but God had something else in mind. And it reminds me too, the same thing happened to Moses. Remember Moses, he led the people of God out of slavery in Egypt He brought them out of Egypt and they were wandering around in the wilderness and all of that stuff. He brought them to the promised land. But God said, no, you can't enter it. He allowed him to go up on a mountain and to look over it. But he said, you're not going to lead the people. Your chapter is done. You have to stay here. And Joshua then is going to lead my people into the promised land. And sometimes that happens to us too. What happens when life doesn't turn out exactly the way that we expect it to? What do you do with those but God moments in life, when things don't work out, when we have disappointments, when we deal with all of those struggles, when the dreams don't come true, what do we do in those moments? What did David do? And I want you to see this this, uh, statement on the screen. He followed that but God with another conjunction, see, with a yet God. God. He still wanted to to say, you know, I know God is still going to do a work through me, and this vision that he put on my heart will be accomplished. It might be through somebody else, but I have to leave that to God. I want you to see the next verse, verse 5. It starts with that little word, yet. Yet, the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me, this is David talking, chose me from all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. And he chose Judah to be a leader. And in the house of Judah, my father's house, and among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all of Israel. Remember, David was the youngest of the brothers. He wasn't even invited to the anointing ceremony. He's saying, I can't believe that. And then of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, he has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Remember Solomon was a son of Bathsheba, one of the very low moments of David's life. And what's David doing here? He's still saying, God, you're still at work. Even if I can't see it, even if it doesn't look the way I think so, even if I'm incredibly disappointed, Lord, I know that you're still at work. You're still doing something in my life. You're still working in ways maybe that I can't see right now. And he knew that it wasn't going to be him, it was going to be him investing in the next generation who would go and accomplish that dream. And as I was thinking about it, I think really all of life is this process of letting go, isn't it? We grow up in a family and we are taught how to function in this world. And then as a parent, you do the same thing for your kids, And you have to nurture them and take care of them, but eventually all of their growing up years is a process, what, of letting go and of teaching them how to live and function in this world. And then maybe you get started in adult life and and you have a a career or a job and you work hard at that and you, you do that, but eventually what? You get to a point where you have to retire or you want to retire, whatever the case is. And that retirement is a process, what, of letting go perhaps with some dreams or some things that, that maybe didn't get accomplished that, that somebody else is going to pick up the ball after you. And then we get to the closing days of our life and we look around at the loved ones that we have and, and eventually we have to let go of them too as we make our journey onward. And David was getting to that point in his life and his final words in the last days, the ones he chose very carefully, were based on his own years as king. They're full of emotion and rich meaning. And he looks back over 40 years as Israel's leader and he says slowly and carefully, he's looking, I I imagine he's looking directly at his son Solomon. And he says these words, verse 9. He says, and you... You, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your fathers. Serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. So be strong and do the work. So it doesn't surprise me that these words on this grand and glorious day when he says, all these people gathered together and he tells them about the temple and then he looks maybe this way and he says, Solomon, the thing I need the most from you is that you would know the Lord, that you would grow in godliness. You need to know the Lord above all the other things. Know that God is good. If you're gonna sit on the throne of Israel David knew that over four decades there was plenty to do that would distract him from knowing God. And he got distracted at different times. And so he's saying with all of his heart and with all of his soul and with all of his emotions, Solomon, you need to stay focused on God. You need to serve him with your whole heart. You need to love him with everything that you have. These were the words that he wanted to give to his son as he knew his days were about to end. And I was thinking about this If you could pull your child aside at the end of your life and give him or her one piece of advice, what would it be? Or perhaps more importantly, moms and dads, what advice are you passing on now? Brothers and sisters, what are you doing to pass on to your younger siblings? What is the character and lifestyle that they see in you? David says to Solomon, serve God. Serve him with a whole heart, a willing mind. Do it wholeheartedly. Don't hold anything back. And David could say those things because that's the kind of heart he had. He had a heart that was, that was passionate about anything that he did. And he was passionate for God. And Solomon would have seen that and would have known that. He would have witnessed his father in all kinds of settings. As he bowed his knee before the Lord, as he asked the Lord for strength and for help and for guidance. As he wrote the Psalms, as he was devoted in this unforgettable legacy in Solomon's mind. And so I ask us today, what is your spiritual legacy? What are you handing down dads and moms and grandmas and grandpas? What were your children and grandchildren, what do they see in you? And will they know that you serve the Lord willingly with a whole heart? Are you modeling that with your lifestyle? There's no better teaching in the world to a young child and seeing that model of a parent or a grandparent who loves the lord who serves the lord who teaches them the scriptures and does it with all of their heart and i know that some of you either now or in the past you volunteered to to help with our children's programs and our youth programs here at redeemer and i just want to say thank you thank you for that investment because it matters And it makes a difference when we invest in the next generation and when we care for kids and when we care for youth and we model to them and we help them in their spiritual development. It's so very, very important. And thank you for those of you that invest in that way too. David in his life, he went from the runts of the litter to royalty. He went from herding sheep to leading armies, from sleeping in the pasture to living in the palace. And he faced this incredible disappointment later in his life, yet, yet he still trusted God that He would continue the work and the vision through someone else. Who are you investing in to carry on that dream that God has placed in your heart? Maybe some of you are about to retire, you have retired. Who are the young people that, that you invested in that are carrying on that work now? Because God is still at work, even in all the stages of life, when we are called to let go. As we close out the story, First Chronicles twenty nine verse twenty two, it says, "And they made Solomon the son of David king, and then Solomon sat on the throne of the Lord as king instead of David his father. And the Lord highly exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him royal majesty which had not been seen on any king." Before him in Israel. And then, verse 28 then David died at a ripe old age, full of, David, full of days and riches and honor, and his son Solomon reigned in his place. And Jesus himself came from the line of David some 1,000 years later. So, what lessons can we learn from David? What made him a leader worth following, and what can make us as people? Leaders worth following as well. We see that we learn hope in spite of his humanity. We learn courage even in the midst of his own fear. We learn encouragement and praise in the songs that grew out of his hours of despair. We learn forgiveness in his darkest moments of sin. And we learn the value of serving the purpose of God in our own generation, even though all of our dreams might not be fulfilled. So, thank you, David, for being our model, for teaching us by your life such significant truths. Thank you for showing us that we can be people like David, men and women after God's own heart. And it begins by our legacy and investing in those around us. Let's pray.